You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and today I am really excited to be joined by Ashley Hales, the author of the new book, A Spacious Life. Now, before we dive into that interview, I just wanted to share a couple things that we have going on here at Rua Space. First, we recently just passed our 200th episode, which is really exciting. We're so thankful for all your support. But if you have been blessed by this ministry, we would love if you would consider supporting us and joining us on Patreon, where for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep the microphone on, help us continue to bring this great content, as well as gain access to exclusive content that we make just for our Patreon supporters, including live events, special series, guided practices, and more. And then friends, we also now have spiritual coaching or spiritual direction, which is a space where we explore God speaking in your life, helping you to connect deeper with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on a daily basis, because we believe that God is still speaking. And the question always is, are we listening? And so in spiritual direction, we dig into your story a little bit, looking for the ways God has spoken in the past and where God may be speaking and moving in your life today. Talking about spiritual discipline, and lots of other really fun stuff to help explore your relationship with God. So whether you feel like you hear from God on a daily basis, or you're looking to go deeper, or you've never really considered how God uniquely speaks to you, this is a space for you to go deeper with that. So go ahead and check that link out in the description below. You can inquire. We'll set up a free call to talk about if spiritual direction might be right for you. So friends, thank you again for being with us here today. Here is my interview with Ashley Hales. Ashley, welcome to the Rua Space podcast. It's such an honor to have you here today to talk about your book, A Spacious Life, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be with you. So can you share with us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do, and then maybe let that flow into how this book came about for you? Yeah. So I am a wife to a pastor and a mom to four. Um, and then I also write books, uh, when my children are at school <laughs> and I, I host a podcast called the finding holy podcast and yeah, enjoy speaking and, you know, doing ministry kind of in local and online contexts. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, I have a PhD in English and I, yeah, but don't teach literature any longer. So, um, yeah, that's be me. And, you know, a spacious life came about really, um, because I was just noticing for one, there are so many things that, especially kind of in Christian spheres that are marketed kind of as self-help books, and they really are not the message of Jesus. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the sorts of things that are like, you need to hurry up and you need to work hard and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you have to curate your life. And there's so many um, messages like that, that, re that are really anti-gospel. And so I really, I, I wanted to counter that. Um, and especially having lived through the first year of the pandemic, um, realized we have really come to terms with our limits in new ways, and we need to learn how to make peace with them if we're going to be able to, to move through this period. No doubt on that. You know, as you were as you were sharing, it made sense then of your subtitles, which all have this word invitation in mm -hmm. it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that that was intentional. It was, it was, you know, and, and it, it didn't really actually start out like that. I think I really wanted to get the book right. And it walks through the life of Jesus and his limits. And you don't want to really mess up when you're talking about Jesus um, as a writer. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, as I think I continue to reflect on, yeah, the moment in time that we were in, we didn't need more arguments um, about what a spacious life looks like. And we probably didn't need to be kind of harangued into saying, yes, you have limits. We actually needed invitations. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I appreciated that. We've been trying to incorporate that more even to our language here of mm-hmm. invitations to, to movement or to breath or to practices, mm-hmm. because it doesn't seem like God just, you know, demands do this or else, but invites us into a full life. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of what your book was doing and inviting us to own our limits. So can you just start to take us into why limits are a good thing? Yeah. You know, I think one thing was really not surprising, but kind of at least was a little bit of an aha moment for me was when I, when I began to be thinking and researching and praying and, um, that, that, that limits are actually built into the fabric of creation. And usually we tend to think of limits as, you know, something that's holding us back, something we have to move through, particularly as Westerners and definitely as Americans. And, you know, so to see that, that their natural cycles of the earth were part of God's good creation before sin entered the world, that planets had orbits. They couldn't just go anywhere. Um, that creatures, including human creatures had, we had limits, we had limits on our body and our time. Um, the place that we were invited into as well as relationship. And so to remind ourselves before we think about the ways in which we've bypassed limits, um, because of sin to remember that they're good, um, that they're built into the fabric of creation so that we can flourish was really helpful for me. Uh, you know, as I considered, okay, how do we actually make peace with our limits? Not, not in a self-helpy way where it's just like, we need, we need to figure this out. Um, and you know, I know you don't like limits, but just deal with it. Um, (laughs) you know, to actually say they're actually good. This is how we're supposed to, to live. And without the loving setting of limits, the world would be without form. It would be void. There wouldn't be, there wouldn't be beautiful beaches or oceans or mountains, right? If there was no limit to things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That stood out to me when you were talking about the creation of separating light and darkness and Mm -hmm. God separating land from water, putting limits on it. And mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned the formlessness and void because what came to mind was tohu vavohu, right? Mm-hmm. This, this original, this chaos, formlessness, void of the universe. And mm-hmm. then God ordered things and put limits on it. And then you went a little bit into Adam and Eve and sort of sin in a sense, being a life without limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, when Satan is whispering to Eve, like, you know, you're going to be like God, did God really say? And then, you know, the question there is to, for human, for humanity, then to choose to transgress, to bypass, to go beyond, you know, the limits that God has set. And, and so I think it's really, it's a great way to think about sin is that we not only just like, do we have kind of God-like aspirations, but that often it's bypassing those limits that, of God's good care and God's way of flourishing that we get ourselves into trouble. 
So someone listening so far might be thinking, wait a minute, but I thought life was all about the freedom to do what I wanted, <laughs> that it's all about having a million choices. So mm -hmm. why, why not? Why not yeah, just have yeah. the freedom to do whatever we want, wherever we right, want limits? Because right. it feels constraining sometimes when we're talking about it in that way. Right, right. And, you know, I think we can all remember probably what it feels like to walk into a supermarket, right? And you, if you don't know your way around or there's new products on the shelves and you're just kind of paralyzed um, by the choice. And so we, we kind of develop our own shorthands, right? For making those choices. We always pick honey, honey nut Cheerios, or we pick a certain brand of mayonnaise. And, you know, these are the sorts of things that we do to kind of limit ourselves from you know, endless choice. And so even in our grocery shopping, for instance, we know that we need, we need some boundaries, even a budget, right. To begin to make some of those decisions, to be able to move forward with confidence in the world. And so I think too, as we remember like creativity, for instance, flourishes within limits. Um, you know, like if you had to confine yourself to a poetic form, you're going to have to work hard in that form so that something beautiful can, can result. And so we see it all throughout in the natural world too. And so it's just really a kind of a flipping on our head of that kind of very American, you know, idea of freedom, that freedom means unconstrained autonomy. And we've taken that out of control. Um, and so, you know, I think that's why, you know, we see so much fighting on the internet. It's why our communities don't feel very thick um, any longer. There's so many things that as we have kind of deified this sense of autonomy, um, it's really left us lonely and, um, and often without kind of a firm way to go. Yeah, it's like we've overcomplicated it yeah. and we become just paralyzed. And I think we've all sort of had that experience of standing in the cereal aisle, right? Looking right. at everything and and it, it might feel like freedom, but at a certain point, um, it gets exhausting mm -hmm. to have so much choice. So on a practical right. level, we've right. probably all felt it in our body yeah. at some point if we stop and reflect on that just for a minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's just so counterintuitive for us, you know, to think that, that our limits can actually lead to flourishing, but we find, you know, as we make small choices and big choices, and particularly for Christ followers, as we abide by God's good limits for our bodies and our time and our attention and our purpose and our calling, uh, that we'll actually find this sort of sense of contentment, a sense of spaciousness that isn't contingent on our circumstances, which is really, that's what freedom feels like. I think. Yeah, you know, throughout your book, I couldn't help but return to Parker Palmer mm -hmm. and his book, Let Your Life Speak. Mm -hmm. And he talks in there about burnout. And it's fascinating to me because I think it jives really well with what you're saying that he says mm -hmm. burnout is when we're trying to give of something that we don't have mm -hmm. because we haven't sort of owned the limit. And we're sort of told, especially, you know, I know that there's people who listen to this from all over the world, but in America, especially one of our foundational principles is you can be whatever you want to be, but that might actually be one of the greatest lies that right. is to abandon our limits. And therefore we get exhausted because we're not honoring yeah. our rootedness and our finiteness that our finiteness mm -hmm. rather than being something bad is, is good. And that seems rooted in a lot of what you were saying, even mm -hmm with um, with the life of Jesus, this is God's revelation to us that being limited 
is a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We see, you know, Jesus going and taking a nap, right. He chose to, he healed a lot of people in Galilee, but not every single person. Um, he would prioritize time with the father and prayer. Um, you know, there's so many different things that show us that he respected the limits of his body and his calling. I mean, he took 30 years, right. To start his public ministry. And so there's a sense in which Jesus isn't rushed, right? He's not in a hurry in the way that we often are to try to accomplish things and make a name for ourselves. And it's not to say that ambition, for instance, is, is bad um, or working hard is bad, but to, to often kind of help us, our limits can help kind of unhook the linchpin between what we do and who we say we are. Yeah, I, I love there's a you said at one point you said if the second person of the Trinity took on flesh, then all your particularities matter. And mm-hmm. so our body, you pointed out, needs sleep. You may have a disease that in mm-hmm. some way limits you. You may be tall or short, you may have a different skin color. Mm-hmm. And your invitation, it seems, is to enter deeper into that rather than trying to ignore it or run away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think there's you know, there's so many of us when we, when we don't really reckon with our limits, they're going to come out, you know, that, that inability to kind of dig down deep into who God has made each of us to be, um, can really come out sideways. (laughs) You know, it's, it's going to come out in some way. Um, you know, if we're always, if, you know, you're trying to your father maybe told you that you were going to be a star football player and you weren't. And so, you know, that you're always trying to kind of keep up or to prove yourself, um, rather than just to say, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the star player. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. that there are limits on, on our ability and our, our attention and, and so many different things. Um, and it's not to say that we acquiesce to the limits that are the result of sin or oppression, but that, um, the natural God-given limits, you know, back in creation that God has given to us, we really will find a lot of freedom as we, as we push into them, like you're saying. Yeah. So can you take us then into the relationship of owning our limits and recognizing everything as a gift? Because Mm -hmm. it seems like it it felt like a theme that came up that when we don't recognize our limits, it's Mm -hmm. like we're trying to earn something. But when mm-hmm. we recognize them, maybe we're more open just to receiving. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. dive into that a little more? Yeah. You know, I mean, ultimately, if we kind of consider our, our base identity as Christ followers, as God's beloved children, then, you know, if you think of a relationship between a parent and a child, um, it's not like a fa- a good father or a good mother is not going to shame the child for being five years old and like not knowing how to drive a car, right? Um, you meet the child where the child is at and you're excited when they learn how to tie their shoes and learn how to read and all of those sorts of things, not because they're doing something fantastic, you know, in and of itself, but it's because he or she's your kid and you're excited and you're excited for your kid to experience the world and to, for you guys to experience it together. And so I think often we've really, we've lost that sense of, of God's relationship to us as that parent who just like gets a kick out of us. And so really our limits allow us to kind of reattach that identity that we are God's kids. And he is excited, right? When we you know, learn scripture for spending time with him in prayer. And, um, he's not going to shame us for like 
not being Hebrew or Greek scholars or something, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that there's an appropriate growth path, you know, for each of us. Um, and, and I think it helps us then if, you know, say I'm tired, God, and I need a nap. And that's another way, right. To experience God's presence is to also sleep and to accept that gift of sleep instead of, you know, being like, well, I need to do another hour of Bible study, or I need to work harder. Um, if a kid fell asleep in your parents' arms while they're talking, that's okay, right? Yeah. It's a moment of intimacy. And so to to kind of re reimagine what does it mean to be God's child and to know then therefore that that relationship of dependence means then that I'm taken care of. Mm. Yeah, we don't have to get God's attention or right. convince God to love us or something. It's it's already there. That's mm-hmm. you know, Henry now in uh, in in some of his teachings talked about the beloved prayer. Yeah. And I know he didn't create it, but answering those questions, who's am I and who am I? And mm. when it's rooted in the fact that we are the beloved of God, it mm. changes everything. And I loved in your book when you pointed out that very fact that Jesus seemed free mm-hmm. in his life to be present, to engage, because he was so firmly rooted in his identity mm-hmm. as a member of the Trinity, yeah. that meant he had nothing to prove, nothing to earn. Mm-hmm. I know. Such a beautiful it, it, picture. It really is. Um, and it was really fun to kind of just walk through the gospels um and think about okay, how did how did Jesus, you know, both experience the attention of the Father and then kind of give that attention away? Um, because he had time for people. Exactly what you're saying. He didn't have to, he didn't have to prove something by his work or effort. And that's something that it feels very hard. It feels like even, you know, if we kind of detach from those sorts of metrics, it becomes really challenging to figure out, okay, well, how do I go about my life in the world? Because it feels like I'm missing out. Mm. Well, it helps that Jesus didn't have an Instagram, right? That's one of the, to, to quote one of your, your chapters, social media yes. though, pumps up the idea that our, our worth and our purposes mm-hmm. and how many followers we have. So, so take us into that because that, mm-hmm. as I was reading it, it felt like something very meaningful to you. Mm. And I know obviously social media has benefits and you're listening to this podcast electronically. So, <laughs> right. you know, I'm not saying, Hey, don't listen anymore, but right. take us into social media because in our modern world, um, it's becoming more of our life. I think I just heard this morning with Facebook changing their name to meta that our world is going to grow more online than it is physically anymore. Mm. But there's some difficulty that comes with that when it comes then to living our fullest life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's so much about social media and media in general um, that bypasses our human bodily limits. Um, you know, when we're present on social media or even just online, we can kind of begin to think one that information is the thing that's going to change us. So whether we're like amassing lots of news articles or, um, and it's not to say research is bad. I have a PhD. I like research. Um, but you know, like that we kind of think that information is going to change us. And so really we think that the way to live a good contented life, right. Is to amass more information, but that's not really where transformation happens isn't in simply acquiring information. And then secondly, what, what we just need to know when we're on social media or we're, you know, engaging in media practices, whatever that might be, is that 
it gives us this kind of godlike illusion that we can be everywhere. So you can have conversations with people all over the world, which is very cool. Um, but it kind of gives us this godlike power that we're not limited to our communities and to our local churches and to our bodies. And so we just need to at least acknowledge that when we kind of reach for our phones, particularly um, because waiting's hard, like in the grocery store or at the doctor's office, or even just because we're bored, um, you know, that, that, that is actually a lie from the garden, right? That we can be like God and we can flit in and out of conversations and we can keep getting information. Um, and we think that those things will be satisfying, but they're not. So we need to at least understand that these things are forming us. Do you think we're avoiding something when we just turn to our phones when we're standing in line? I think so. Just it's uncomfortable to wait, <laughs> right? And it, it shows that we're not in control, right? Waiting is, mm. um, even as you're at the doctor's office, you have to wait to be called in. Um, and it's easier to take out your phone and to than to reckon with, hey, I'm, I'm not in control of the situation. Mm. We don't like to not be in control. No, <laughs> no <laughs> and, we don't. And waiting can be hard because things are going to come up in the midst mm-hmm. of silence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start facing what we're really feeling and maybe what starts to come up are those limitations. And then the mm-hmm. very world is saying, no, don't be limited. Like don't, don't be silent and just sit there and, and feel the fact that you're going to social media because you're angry or you're scared right. or you're anxious. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we just medicate it. Yeah, for sure. We just run away. So, yeah. so how then do we, how then do we begin to enter into a, a life of, of limits and, and what, what are maybe some practices or some ideas to, mm-hmm. to enter mm-hmm. into? Cause then I want to, you know, we've talked about some of the, and of course, you know, we're, we're squeezing a lot into 40 minutes yeah. here. So, yeah. so of course everyone should go read the book because there's so much more, but we've talked about some of the dangers and difficulties. Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. we start to enter then into the life we actually were created for. And mm-hmm. then at, toward the end, we'll get into what that looks like. Yeah. No, I, I think that a lot of it, you know, if the first step is realizing, okay, I'm, I need to realize that I'm formed by these stories about um, how the world works. What is a competent, creative, full life, right? And, and to realize that these sorts of ideas about autonomy and freedom and all of that have been handed down to me in the cultural water that we swim in. And so even our devices and our habits and our rhythms have been often formed by that story. And so how do we get formed more by the story of the gospel? Um, I think a lot of it looks like having kind of bodily rhythms instead of technological rhythms. And so instead of like reaching for your phone every two seconds, when yeah, you're waiting in line, it'd be, you know, choosing instead, maybe like take a walk and leave the phone, (laughs) you know, away, um, or kneeling to pray or, um, you know, practicing kind of some silence and margin in your day to bookend your day. Um, those are sorts of, you know, kind of practices that we can begin to do to kind of rewire our brain from the ways in which we can usually just use like technology, for instance, to fill up, um, some of that silence that we don't, we're afraid to sit with ourselves and, um, and see, or we're afraid like God's not going to answer. He's not going to be there. Mm. Um, if I, if I sit in silence and so it's just easier to ignore him. Um, but I think really limits can, they can press us in. If we go there with Jesus, uh, they can press us into the heart of God. And what is so beautiful is that, you know, ultimately we believe as Christ followers that 
Jesus went, you know, to the, the very end, right. To the limits of life and death itself. Um, so that we then can, can never have kind of the, the no, um, of the father, we will always have his yes. And so to, to remember, even if, yeah, we don't hear from God, we don't experience his presence, um, that these in kind of a visceral experiential way all the time, you know, that, that these habits, these rhythms will begin to kind of root us still in that reality, even if it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Well, I I love to invite people to return into their breath and what they're Mm -hmm. feeling in the moment, Mm -hmm. because again, Mm -hmm. it's likely that the, the running to a technology or some other distraction or something is a running away from something. And I like in your book, you talk a lot about going through Mm -hmm. things, going Mm -hmm. deeper into them Mm -hmm. rather than going away from them. That life is actually through that door, Mm -hmm. not running away from from that door. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we go into our limits deeper then? What does that mean? Because rather than just running from them or seeing them, mm-hmm. can we enter into them as a blessing, mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. good thing? Yeah. You know, I think definitely asking our que- the question that you just posed about, you know, what am I running away from? Um, what am I trying to cover up or hide? Uh, what, and then like just sitting in that, sitting in silence, you know, um, with God, inviting God into that silence, inviting the spirit to illumine your heart. If you don't know, <laughs> um, and you know, I, so I think that's one way uh, continuing like the normal Christian rhythms of prayer and scripture reading and gathering with your local church, even if you don't feel it, <laughs> I think is is transformative. It's choosing a limit, right? It's choosing a limit to say, I'm committed to these people. I'm committed to this practice. Um, because even if it doesn't feel that way, I know these are the things that will, these are the limits that God's given to us for life and community. And what does it look like to love other people? Well, and what does it look like to love God? Well, and so choosing to like be an adult about that, <laughs> you know, and say like in the same way that you're like, I'd really love to eat the donut every morning, but instead I'm going to have a scrambled egg, you know, is, is a very adult decision. And so, you know, I think in our spiritual disciplines too, sometimes we need to remind ourselves to, to make adult choices. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. You know, I appreciate that you, you dedicated two chapters to waiting and abiding. Mm-hmm. And you say things like in the waiting, we are becoming. Mm-hmm. Waiting opens us up so God can make his home in us. Um, what is it about slowing down and waiting or abiding? Um, mm-hmm. I loved you sort of did a little word study on what abiding mm-hmm. means. What is it about slowing down and just being patient that opens the door for mm-hmm. something new to happen? Because this seems to be a consistent theme as we explore spiritual formation, that mm-hmm. patience, waiting, space, slowness, abiding, mm-hmm. common thread. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think, um, you know, as we think of abiding, you know, it's, it's really just the idea of that we're sticking with sticking with sticking by. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think sometimes we try to muscle our spiritual growth or development, um, like we were lifting weights. And so like, we need to accomplish something, you know, every time, And to really say, okay, if God is in control, if he is the infinite one and I am finite, um, then obviously he knows, 
you know, whatever this particular thing that I'm waiting on and waiting him, you know, on him for, um, he knows. And so, you know, ultimately if he is a good father and he cares for me, then I can trust myself to him in the waiting, you know, that, and it doesn't mean then like something has to come out of this, like to show for it. So I got an A on my waiting, <laughs> you know, grade with God. Um, Not about earning. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, that, you know, like Dallas Willard talks about that, the, the Christian life is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. And, mm. you know, I, so I think those small little disciplines, like we already talked about are like, those are the practices during the waiting, you know, waiting seasons. And ultimately we, we believe God will unfold what he's doing. He will reveal what he's doing. And, you know, really it's just a posture of trust, but it's super uncomfortable, but going back to, you know, the analogy with a a parent, you know, parent and child is like, we understand when our kids are falling apart or they don't want to wait, or they're just like, so excited. Christmas is coming. Um, like, it's not that we say, well, you shouldn't be excited for that sort of thing. Or, you know, <laughs> right. We say like, I understand it's so hard to wait, you know, here's mm. what we can do in the meantime. And, and to, I think we have so many like self-directed messages of shame about what, what we think God thinks of us. These usually, we think he's probably just, you know, he has to like us because Jesus redeemed us. And so, mm. you know, that w- he's kind of mildly disproving and, and to reimagine, you know, in the, as we see Jesus walking with his father, that the father gets a kick out of you is pretty, pretty fantastic. Even in the waiting, he gets it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why the Sabbath is, is built mm-hmm. in to the very creation, right? A way, mm-hmm. a, a space to rest, to stop, to remember that our purpose isn't just in what we create, but mm-hmm. but how we live. And we can do that in whatever job we're doing. We can do yeah. that even in, in that space of, of waiting. You know, I'll never forget being in Israel and having a Friday night wanting to go get pizza and the pizza restaurants are all closed. They're like, yep. this is the night when you could make the biggest killing, you know, right, everyone's right. out. but nope, they shut down because it yeah. was a rhythm, a, a way of, of entering into, um, into a greater purpose and mm-hmm. our, our limits can point us to that. We like to think they're negative things, but they can right. point us to who we are and who we were made to be. Mm-hmm. So you do talk a little bit about purpose in, in your book. And that to me starts to lead us into the, the spacious life. So, so instead of having a, a life of limits and exhaustion, what does a spacious life look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, when we think about purpose, it's in the same way that we were saying earlier, you know, we can, we can tend to kind of take what our culture says are, you know, the things that matter as far as our purpose, you know, making a lot of money or, you know, being successful or, you know, your appearance or athletic prowess. There's so many different things that we can use to kind of measure the success or the purpose of a person. Um, but really our purpose has less to do with what we do and more to do with who we are becoming in Jesus. If that's the whole point, (laughs) why we're here is to love God and to love our neighbor, then it really, it kind of unhooks this, this kind of desire to always achieve for our worth or to feel like we will never kind of catch up, right. That the goalposts kind of continually keep moving. And that's what we find when we chase this idea of really what makes my life worth living is working hard or achieving a certain goal. Um, and instead who our character is really, you know, the thing that will 
carry us through, through whatever kind of purpose, whatever we're practically doing uh, for God's kingdom. So it gives us purpose then, you know, whether we are scrubbing the toilets in our home or, you know, we're making deals on wall street that um, whatever it is that we are doing, we are doing to glorify God, um, which is, it's really hard to figure out, like, how do I, how do I get that in myself? And I know, um, especially when, when my children weren't in school yet and I had four kids, it didn't feel like I had much purpose, even though I was keeping four tiny humans alive. Um, (laughs) but it didn't feel like I had anything to show for it. I just had more Mm. crumbs on the floor, you know, at the, at the end of the day. And, um, and to realize though, for me, now that my children are, they're not grown, but they're all at least in school, (laughs) um, post COVID, And, you know, to realize that it wasn't even what I did really that made the difference. It was just being present, right. Being present with my kids, um, repenting to them when I lost it and, and to realize too, in those kind of quiet years, um, that God was forming me for, Mm -hmm. for something maybe later. And, you know, that that's really the thing. I think that's a really good but hard word to hear because, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned something like cleaning toilets. And Mm -hmm. I think we like to think of the the most important stuff is the big stuff that happens. But it seems like you're saying maybe some of the most important stuff is not the big stuff, just the Mm -hmm. ordinary every day. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it definitely it, the ordinary everyday stuff shows us to what extent we think that faithfulness is the metric instead Mm. of success. Um, and sometimes that's like a lot of years of humble activity (laughs) until we get that kind of, you know, ground into our head. Um, and by no means have I arrived because yeah, I'd, I'd rather do the glamorous things (laughs) than the toilets. Um, (laughs) but you know, I think that it's just a really great reminder that the point, the point of your life, isn't what you achieve. The point of your life is your union with Jesus. And you can do that wherever. I was going to ask then. So, you know, obviously, like you said, it's still a journey, still a process. Was there a moment where, where it switched for you as you were caring for four kids and, and walking through your life? Can you remember, was there, was there a practice or a realization or what sort of helped you sort of come to this step of finding peace and joy, not in all the big things, even though, Hey, you just wrote a really amazing book and I I'm hoping it does really well. That's a really big thing, which we can still have those two, but no matter one of the things I've learned is no matter how many of the big things you have happen, most of life is still the small things. Right. So so do you have a, did something shift for you? Did something happen? How did you come to that next step? Yeah. You know, I usually write to figure out what I think. Um, so I don't feel like I've, you're like, Oh, 10 years ago, I got this all sorted. And, you know, now the book is here. Um, you know, I think particularly we had um, a waiting season, just that first year of COVID, uh, when my husband stepped down from his ministry position, he was church planting, um, in Southern California. And I think we just really experienced the, in that kind of waiting season, cause we knew it was really clear what we should, that we should step back from that, that, from that role. And, but we didn't really know what God was calling us towards, which is funny because most of our like larger moves, bigger things, it's always felt very clear what God is pulling us towards. And so we were like, well, all we can do is wait. And, um, but there were so many things that 
just God showed up and was faithful. We had our health insurance covered. He had some severance. Some friends had a home that we could stay in and our house sold in like two days. There were so many different things where even though we didn't know where we were going or what we were supposed to do for our lives, that we knew God was faithful and he was good and he was going to provide and we could experience it and see it. Mm-hmm. And, and it just kind of reaffirmed some of those earlier lessons that, you know, when I couldn't see what God was doing, um, when I couldn't understand what was going on, when it just felt exhausting, um, in those early mothering years that if then I could see it right now, it helped me remember, okay, something was happening back then too. I just didn't see it. And so it gave me language to begin to kind of look back and remind myself that God has been faithful. He's always been faithful and he's always been good. And will I choose to live the given life that he's given me? Or will I keep fighting and try to live my planned life? Um, which is kind of a paraphrase there of Wendell Berry. And, and so that's a kind of a question I continue to sit with, you know, thinking about further projects or direction or vocation or goals um, is, is to kind of, what's the next step, you know, that I can take um, what is God unfolding? What is he preparing me in the last season for, you know, a future season maybe, and so those, those begin to be some good questions, um, to sit with and to sit with Jesus with. So I think th- I don't know if there was a moment, but it's helped me kind of reframe and ask some good questions going forward. Yeah. I think that memory component is huge. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past and being able to mm-hmm. trust that in the future. You know, if, if we use words like exhausted and, um, you know, burned out and stressed for, sort of a life without limits. What mm-hmm. are maybe some words you'd use to describe this spacious life where we um, recognize our limits as blessings? What are maybe some descriptive words mm-hmm. so people mm-hmm. can picture what that type of yeah. life is like? Well, that's one reason why I called it a spacious life. Because um, often we think of having space as something that feels restful, right? When we think of that he leads me beside still waters and green pastures. And that's something we desire, but we don't know how to get there often in our everyday lives. And I think our limits are a doorway that can really get us to that kind of spacious place that, that is a life of contentment that isn't dependent on circumstance. So it feels there's a sense in which we can find a deeper peace. Like Paul talks about, you know, I've learned the secret of being content and want and in plenty. Um, And it's our union with Jesus. Mm. Well, I appreciate how frequently you come back to Jesus in the, in the book as sort of the model of someone mm-hmm. who is able to live that freedom in, in the space of limits. Yeah. So Ashley, as we we're coming to the end of our time, uh, what might be a final word of encouragement or challenge for people on the journey who are wrestling with their limits? Yeah. You know, I think it's just, it's important to remember that Um, God's desire is not to rob you of things that you need, (laughs) Um, but he's helping you make room in your attention for the things of God's kingdom. And, and so I think there's, there's a sense in which there's an invitation to name your limits, even the hard ones uh, with God. And so I would just encourage listeners to in those limits, to not run from them, but to go there with God. And he can take your anger and your doubting and your fear, um, your frustration, your confusion, your lack of control. Mm. 
and find real life there. Huh? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Where can people go deeper with, with what you're up to, your work, all of that good stuff? Yeah. The easiest place is if you go to aspacious.life, it directs you to my website and there is a free hustle habit quiz, which is kind of a way that I've been talking about how we bypass those limits. Um, and then there's also a little roadmap you can find to help you out of that hustle habit. And then you can find all the details about a spacious life right there on that page as well. Awesome. Well, we will put that in the description below. Highly recommend people go and check it out there. Ashley, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for the timeliness of it. And thanks for coming and sharing with us today. This was an honor. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me, Phil. Hey friends, Phil here again. Before you go, I just want to say thank you again for joining us for this episode. I do highly recommend once again, going and checking out those links to connect deeper with Ashley and the work that she is doing. And finally, friends, if you would like to support the Rua Space Ministry, go deeper with us. I highly recommend checking out our Patreon page at the link below, our Rua Space memberships, where we offer guided practices and Christ-centered yoga, as well as that one-on-one spiritual coaching, all in the description below. So thanks again for being with us here today, friends. Until next time, grace and peace be with you.